Intentionally Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Woolley, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 69 features the head coach of Fort Dodge High School, Nick Moser. Coach Moser will talk about his career in coaching, culminating in his rise to becoming a head football coach at Fort Dodge High School. He will also explain his offensive system, himself as a play caller, and the thought process that goes into making crucial situational calls. This season, Intentionally Grounded is partnering with First Down Playbook. For coaches looking for a playbook software that is user-friendly and can deliver the clarity necessary to share and communicate your scheme with coaches and players alike, check out First Down Playbook. For more information, check out their website at firstdownplaybook.com. And for our listeners of our show, enter the code IGFB20 when purchasing individual or program memberships to receive a discount at checkout. Again, that code is IGFB20. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. And check out our newly released YouTube channel that houses the video cast version of our podcast episodes as well, along with additional content related to leadership, football, and coaching development. Season 3, Episode 19, with Coach Nick Moser, starts now. We're joined today by Nick Moser, coach of Fort Dodge High School. Coach, introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, thanks. Um... Nick Mosier uh, actually was just named the head coach at Fort Dodge uh, a little over a month ago. I was named uh, the Thursday before all of uh, the coronavirus stuff happened. So uh, been the offensive coordinator for the past five years at Fort Dodge. Uh, prior to that, I was a defensive coordinator for a couple of years. I've been on the staff uh, now for 11 years. Um, uh, my background, I guess, I'm a Fort Dodge graduate. I graduated from senior high in 2001. Went on, I played uh, college football at Iowa State uh, under Dan McCarney. Graduated in 2005, and then I really went uh, a different path than a lot of high school football coaches did. I actually started working for a bank in Minneapolis um, after I got done uh, with college. Moved back to Fort Dodge probably nine months after I lived in Minneapolis, and then I started out as a volunteer coach. Um, primarily, I'd been a banker for the past 13 years. Uh, I took a new job uh, three months ago, four months ago to become the director of our school foundation. Um, so I'm different than a lot of high school football coaches. I'm not a teacher. Um, I wasn't a teacher when when I was the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator. Again, I started out as a volunteer coach. And then probably six, seven years ago, I really started research how I could be a high school football coach and not necessarily be a teacher. Um, the school foundation that I'm now the director of, I served on that board for nine years. Um, so what I do there is I, I run a lot of, um, the fundraising efforts for our, our school foundation. Um, I do a lot of business development for our school foundation, a lot of stuff that a football coach does when they're, when they're, uh, um, trying to raise funds. That's essentially what I'm doing for our school district. Coach, talk a little bit about some of the coaches in your life who have shaped your philosophy. Yeah, so uh, I was fortunate enough that I played for my dad. Uh, my dad was a head football coach at, at senior high for, for 15 years. Um, so I grew up a coach's kid. Uh, I was around the sport, you know, growing up uh, my whole life, I was around the sport. Um, when I was a little kid, I was a ball boy uh, for the Dodgers, um, was a three-year starter then for the Dodgers. When I went to Iowa State, uh, you know, I had I had a lot of great coaches. Dan McCartney was awesome. 
Um, the thing that Mac was so good at is Mac was able to get um, the most out of kids. He was a great motivator. Um, you know, on the, especially on the college side, you, you don't necessarily always see your head coaches as an X, X and O guy. Uh, but what he was is he was a great motivator. And I think that's something that, you know, high school coaches strive to do uh, as well. Um, John Skladeni was my defensive coordinator. Um, Sklads was probably one of the smartest guys I've been around. Um, he played a lot of base defense, which, you know, I guess I graduated in 2005, so 15 years ago. Um, we weren't a big pressure team. We were a base defense team, and we were very gap sound and very technically sound. So uh, from, from Sklads, I just learned – I learned how defensive operated. I, I played safety primarily. I played one year of uh, outside linebacker. So I took a lot of his knowledge from, from every side or every position on the defensive side, from the D-line to the linebackers to the D-back plays, um, how they all operated. Uh, Chris Ash was my D-back coach, uh, was uh, the, the Rutgers head coach here for the past couple of years, just unfortunately was fired there and now is a defensive coordinator at Texas. Um, Chris, it's kind of funny, you know, when you play for someone, you think they're that much older than you. You know, Chris is probably only 44 years old. He's only six or seven years older than me. So when I look back at it now, a lot of my staff at Iowa State, they were young. Um, Tony Alford is a running back coach. He's a running back coach at Ohio State, uh, really a, a great guy. And then I was fortunate enough, we had a couple of different offensive coordinators that I was there. Um, Barney Cotton, who came from Nebraska, was the offensive coordinator. Um, was a was a really good guy. There's uh, Mike Grant, receiver coach, <clears throat> uh, good guy. So the 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 thing about college, and this is something that my dad told me when I was um, uh, wanting to be a coach. He told me when I got into to college was to keep a notebook and to write down stuff you liked and stuff you didn't like. Um, and and I'm someone that thinks that if if you want to go into the coaching profession you can learn as much from a bad coach as you can a good coach. Um, and when I say that, you learn stuff that you wouldn't do. Um, I can't say I had a ton of bad coaches at Iowa State, but I had coaches that I would question. And the number one thing that I questioned, I, was, I would question their knowledge. If you would ask a question uh, about why are we doing this and they couldn't give you an answer that you liked, that was stuff that bugged me. I always felt like if you're a coach, you had to have an answer. And if you didn't have an answer, um, you better have a pretty good understanding of what you're trying to do. So that was something that, you know, I would write down, Hey, I don't like this. Cause I didn't feel like that coach was maybe prepared. Um, and then in, in the college level, different than the high school level, kids are treated different. Um, in, in the high school level, uh, you have kids that grew up in your town. You have kids that are multiple sport athletes and, and you're treated different. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I didn't want to get in the college game is I felt like I could be more influential in the high school setting than I could the college setting. Um, at our program right now, we're not a program. You won't hear us cuss out kids. You won't, you won't hear us cuss. Um, that's something that, something that I'm not a huge fan of, and, and I don't think you can do that at the high school level. Um, getting out of college and, and, and going to Fort Dodge, um, I, I coached under Matt Miller. Um, he was the head coach at Fort Dodge for 16 years. He took over for, for my dad. Um, Matt was the offensive coordinator when I was in high school. Um, so I learned a lot of stuff from Matt. Matt was very detail oriented, something that I probably need to learn to, to do better. 
Um, but, but what Matt allowed me to do, especially the last five years when I started calling the offense, is he let me do my job. Um, and that's something that I think was great and something that I'm trying to get my staff bought into is uh, you have a job, you have a responsibility as a coach. I'm not going to micromanage you. I want you to do what you do. If you're the defensive line coach, that's, those are your guys. You need to run that position. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to be around a, a lot of really good coaches, and I've been fortunate enough to be around coaches that I didn't necessarily care for, whether it was in football or basketball, uh, in high school or, 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 or baseball or, or whatever. Um, but I've learned as much from coaches that I didn't necessarily care for as I have the, the really good coaches. And Nick, early on in your coach career, you kind of alluded this a little bit. You started as a DC on Matt Miller's staff, but then, then you switched. Um, there probably are not a lot of guys who have held roles, uh, you know, at the same school on both sides of the ball like you have. Talk about what that was like and, and why you switched. Like you said, Coach Miller was a, an offensive coordinator for a long time. So talk about what the switch was like and why you switched and, and how you transitioned roles there. Yeah, so, so when I first started out, I was a, I was a D-back coach. Um, and, and I primarily was in charge of, uh, of the DBs, which was natural for me as a position I played. Um, and then I kind of moved to where I was calling some of uh, calling the defense. And like I said, five years ago, six years ago, um, I think what Matt saw, and, and you would have to ask him, he had a, he had a kid that was going to come up and, and his kid was going to be our quarterback. Uh, we saw it. We, we knew it was happening. And the one thing that my dad allowed me to do, I played quarterback in high school, is Matt was my coach. Matt was my position coach. I worked with Matt. So Matt made a lot of decisions that I did. Um, so the one thing my dad could do when people would question something is, listen, Nick has a position coach. It's not me. Um, Nick has an offensive coordinator. It's not me. And I'm taking the recommendation of that offensive coordinator. So we got together. We have uh, our defense coordinator now is Blake Utley. Again, he was he, – I graduated with him from high school. He's our head baseball coach. Um, he was coaching linebackers. I was coaching D-backs. We are both – uh, very involved in defense. I sat down with Matt and said, listen, Drake is coming up. Um, and I think we can do stuff different than what, what we've done offensively. And I think it's going to be better for you in the long term uh, that you can sit there and say, uh, yeah, it's ultimately my decision, but I'm listening to Nick on what we're going to do offensively. I'm listening to Nick, what we're going to do at the quarterback position. Um, when, when I started, uh, we were primarily a 21 personnel. I um, ran a lot of unbalanced, um, maybe 20 personnel with the Twins open set, but we were a running back fullback team. Um, what I wanted to get into was a, a lot more RPO stuff. RPOs had just kind of become hot six years ago. Um, I was sick of it on the defensive side because um, I felt like offenses were cheating, and I wanted to move over that side of the ball and cheat. Um, and it, it, and I say that laughing, um, in six years, I can honestly say we probably had linemen call downfield two or three times. It, 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 it doesn't happen. Uh, the, the, the biggest difference, uh, a couple things between the high school game and the college game is, yeah, the speed of the game is, is, is there's a ton of difference. There's, there's difference in the athletes, but the thing that I see a lot is, is the officials, um, 
you're not going to get a lineman called downfield in high school football because they're they're looking at so many other things. Unless another coach alerts that crew, it, it just doesn't get called. Um, and when it does get called, I argue all the time that, hey, listen, we get three yards, and it's when the ball's thrown. It's not when it's caught. So if I can talk to a side judge and say, when that ball is thrown, we're only at a yard or two yards. You can't make that. You can't make that call. It's not when the ball is caught. It's when the ball is thrown. Um, so we 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 are primarily an RPO team with our with our run game. Um, we've been a, a ten personnel team really the last four years. Uh, my my first year I started, we were maybe a little bit more twenty, maybe a little bit more eleven personnel. Uh, but we've been primarily a ten personnel team. Um, the last five years and kind of my philosophy on the offensive side is I've always felt like we've had really good athletes at senior high. Um, in, in the five years I've had two receivers break the all time receiving record. Um, I've had uh, a running back break the all time running record. So we do run the football. Um, but what we try to do is we try to spread the field and we try to get the ball on athletes hands. And we do that in a lot of different ways. Um, we're, we're not a huge formation team. We're primarily two by two, three by one. We'll go some empty where we're three by two or we're four by one. Um, and then we mix in a lot of uh, trick kind of plays that uh, some people may think they're trick plays, but we practice them. Uh, it's something that's in our playbook uh, all the time. So now I'm making that transition a little bit to the head football coach role. What can Dodger fans expect to see on a Friday night from a Nick Moser-led football program? Yeah, I, I, I hope they see exciting football. Um, the, the thing I want to do, and uh, this is maybe more so the offensive side, I guess, coming out of me, I want to score points. I want to I score points. Um, I want to control tempo um, on the offensive side. Uh, so I, I, I hope they see an exciting football team. Um, we're not always the the biggest team. Uh, we're the we're 40 out of 42 schools right now in Class 4A, so we're one of the smaller teams. So we have a hard time uh, lining up and saying we're going to run power and we're going to run power and we're going to run power right at you because up front we're not always as big as strong uh, as teams that we see. So uh, you'll see us spread spread the ball around. You'll see us spread the field offensively. Defensively, we're we're a 30 team. Um, and give we're a 30 team because we feel like we usually have pretty good athletes. Um, we don't always have the big guys that everybody has up front. We have, we have a lot of kids that are that 175 to 195 pounds that are safety linebacker type corner type kids. And we try to get them on the field. Um, we, we would go back and forth, argue all the time. Hey, should we put in a fourth lineman? And my argument would always be if we put in a fourth lineman, we take out a really good athlete. And in today's football, I think you need as many athletes on the field as possible. If you have D linemen that can run, great. Um, but I would rather have a 200-pound D lineman that can run than a 280-pound D lineman that can't move three yards. Um, so we run to the ball defensively. We run offensively. Um, so I hope, I hope people see is a team that, that works their butt off, that runs um, all the time, and we play exciting football. To a person who's never seen your offense before, how would you describe it? And you've talked a little bit about it, but, but what went in 
to the development of the 10 personnel. How did you get there? You, know, you talked about you had a lot of athletes at, at Fort Dodge High. Um, but how did you decide, you know, this is what we're going to really buy into and this is what we're going to go with? Um, you know, when, the, the funny thing when I played in the Big 12, uh, we played against a lot of spread teams in, in the Big 12, even in 2005. Texas Tech, I mean, that was Mike Leach. They were a spread football team. Um, they were a no huddle, uh, tried to run 100 plays plus a game. And, and that's what they did. And back in, in 2005, we didn't substitute defensively like they do now in the college game. Um, our, our three technique played 110, 110 plays against Texas Tech. We didn't sub. Um, and at the high school level, you don't sub. Um, or I shouldn't say you don't. Very rarely are you subbing D linemen. Are you subbing linebackers? Are you subbing uh, D backs? So I wanted to go to a no huddle game. And I wanted to do so where we could two platoon as much as possible. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of definitely playing linemen both ways. Um, yeah, we have some skill kids that will maybe play both ways. Uh, but I want us to be able to run on the offensive side of the football to be able to control tempo. Uh, or temper, or, uh, sorry, I can't talk. Uh, tempo and, and, and dictate that and try to wear teams out, not from a, a physical pounding but from a running standpoint, I want a defense to have to run against us. Um, so what I looked at, I looked at a lot of Texas Tech when I played. I looked at a lot of Baylor. Um, Baylor was was a team I, I looked at uh, quite a bit. And then uh, Oklahoma State was another team. Um, there, there's so many good uh, college offenses right now. And I think some of it has actually come from the high school game. Um, but we're not we didn't make up stuff. We stole as much as we could from other people and found what fit us. And like I said, I thought we've always had really good receivers. I felt like we've had really good running backs. Um, so I try to find ways to get our kids the ball. Also describing yourself as a play caller. Um, if you had to characterize yourself as a play caller and what your style of play call is, how would you describe it? Um, when we do all of our stuff on Sundays, as far as our game planning, we we're, we're not a team that meets on Saturdays. In fact, we don't have our kids come in on Saturdays. Um, we don't have our kids come in on Saturdays because a lot of my kids have jobs. Um, but a lot of my kids may be going on a college visit or something on a Saturday. So we don't, we don't fight Saturdays with kids. Um, so when we go in on a Sunday, the, the number one I thing I look for when I watch opponents films is I look for mis uh, mismatches. I, I try to find out who the worst corner on the field is. And I try to find a way to get my best receiver on the worst corner. I try to find out who I think the worst D lineman is. And, and, and I try to find ways to run the ball at that kid. Um, it, it's easy uh, to find the best kid, especially, you know, you, you, you play uh, a Southeast Poku as a safety that's been offered by everybody in the world. You know he's the best kid. Um, that's, that's easy. But for us to actually sit down there and say, okay, number 26, I don't think he's a very good corner. I don't care who we put on him. I want to exploit him. Um, so that's, that's something that we do a lot is we try to find who the worst is on the other side of the ball, and we try to find out how many times we can put him in a position to have to make a play. Um, so – we're not necessarily a team that's going to take a ton of shots downfield, 
we're a big screen team with our receivers. Um, we're we're a, a, a big bubble team. We're a big now now screen team. Um, where I look at those as as runs, they're they're plays that are meant to get four yards. Um, so I guess my philosophy as a play caller is uh, I want to dance with who we've got, and I want to find out who we can beat on the other side of the field. Now, Coach, we're going to transition just a little bit here and ask you a few situational questions. So um, for all of our listeners who have been following along with us, they have an idea what personnel you're going to be in. They have an idea how you're going to call your plays. So we're going to give you some situations and see where you, where you take us with your thought process. So it's, it's first and 10. You're in the middle of the field on your own 30-yard line early in the first half. Um, you're looking to take a shot for a big play. What are you calling? And, and when you get to that call, walk us through your thought process before making the call. Uh, you guys will laugh at this. Um, we run hook and ladder a lot. And we don't run hook and ladder from a position of desperation. We run hook and ladder from a position of that's our shot play. Um, I think if you would look back on the last three years, we've ran probably 30 hook and ladders uh, from different ways of doing it. So it's gotten me in trouble a couple of times, but not very often because we do practice it a lot. So especially on a sudden change, that's something I'm looking at, at running is do I have a corner that's backed up where I can complete an easy stop? And if I do, can I sneak a running back or another receiver out there to, to make that play? Um, but other things that I'm looking at again is if, if I know um, I can beat a safety, I'm going to try to beat a safety in that position. We run smash a lot. Um, uh, we, we typically mirror both routes, especially in two by two. So we run smash a, a, a ton. Um, so something that I would call maybe in that situation is we would, we would call smash bomb. And anytime, and anytime we tag something with bomb, it's a double route. Uh, so how we, how we operate is I'm not, a, I'm not someone that has an X and a Y and a Z and an F. I can't figure that stuff out. So I don't do that. I have a one a two, a three, and a four. Um, and, and I number all my receivers from left to right. So I've got one, two. If we're in two by two, I've got one and two. And on the other side, I've got three and four. So what we would do in that situation a lot of times, we'd run smash, three, bomb. Um, so what three bomb would be is instead of running corner, we're running corner post. Um, so if we tag anything with bomb, it's a double move to what your typical route would be. So I love uh, smash bomb because we run smash a ton. And I've been a, a safety where you get smash a lot. Absolutely, you're running to that corner, you're opening up. If you can come back with a corner post, um, usually it's a pretty good play for us. Other question situationally I will ask is that, um, Maybe you just scored a touchdown and, and you're looking for that two-point play or potentially you're at the you know, two-yard line and you need a touchdown in order to win the game. What's your go-to play call in one of those two situations? You know, as, as funny as it sounds, we're a swinging gate team. We have been a swinging gate team um, for, for multiple years. We have been since my dad was a head football coach. Uh, so first and foremost, we're going to see if we have gate against you. And if we have gate, uh, how we run it, 
you know, you've got the the center who's eligible, who's usually going to be a receiver. Our best athlete is usually our trigger man. It's not necessarily our quarterback at that position. Um, so we're going to have our best athlete at the quarterback position as a trigger man. And we're going to have our tallest receiver split out. Um, we will look and see if we have gate. If we have numbers or we think we have numbers, we're going to run gate. And how we run it, I mean, not very dissimilar from a lot of teams. We're snapped to the quarterback. We're in the flat with the center. We're to the pylon with our bigger receiver. But what I think we maybe do different than a lot of other teams is the, the kid that has the ball should be able to run. Um, and first and foremost, I want him to run to the run to the near pylon and get in the end zone. If that's not there, it's going to be a lob in the back of the end zone to our tallest receiver. Um, so that would be my first go-to. Do we have gate? If we have gate, we're going to run gate. Um, if not, we're probably going to get in a three-by-one and we're going to run some sort of rub where we've got sprint out action. So we're going to slant. If we're if we're three by one to the right, we're going to slant four and three and pick, and we're going to run two to the flat, and we're going to sprint out a quarterback. Coach, as you prepare for your first year as head coach, what are some of the things that you're really looking at, which has probably changed a little bit from being an OC and a DC, as to what are you currently researching, learning, reading about, and why are you doing it, and what resources are you using? Okay, so the first thing I started doing now with, with my offensive line coach and my running back coach, um, our, our receiver coach, unfortunately, had a stroke uh, about a month ago and is, is recovering from that. But what I've been doing with our own line coach and our running back coach is we're a huddle sideline team. We've always been a huddle sideline team. So uh, we get done with the series offensively. I'm going over. We have the big screen. We have iPads. We're watching that series. Um, so something that I've been doing now recently with them is I'm having Zoom meetings with my old line coach and my running back coach because as a head coach, I'm not going to be able to walk over to the bench and sit down with the offense and say, here's what we're doing or here's what I see. Um, so what we've actually been doing on Zoom is we've gone to a series of ours, of ours offensively from last year. I'll watch it. They'll watch it. I'll give them two to three minutes, and then I want them to tell me what they saw. Um, so when we get to next Friday or uh, next Friday, uh, next fall on Fridays, I'll probably have an iPad where I can take a, click, uh, a quick glimpse of stuff, but I want to see what our defense is doing. So what we're really working on right now is I need to make sure the communication from my offensive uh, line coach and my running back coach is that they can communicate to me what they're seeing and I understand it. Um, that's something that I don't think we've been great at and I haven't been great at it because I would watch stuff and I wasn't someone that would take a lot of input from people when I can see it. Um, so something I've been trying to work with them is tell me what you're seeing and I want to make sure what they're seeing is the same thing I'm seeing. So we've been doing that uh, kind of weekly on hey, let's practice huddle sideline. Um, something that I've researched quite a bit uh, these past couple months, I think we're going to have a pretty good running back. Um, we're we're going to have a, a quarterback that hasn't played quarterback yet. So I'm, I'm researching some more Wildcat stuff uh, that we haven't ran in the past. Um, I'm researching more 11 personnel. I'm researching more 21 personnel because um, I think we, like I said, we've been primarily a 10 personnel team. 
and I think we've been a 10 personnel team because that's what our personnel allowed us to do. Um, we'll have a running back next year that'll be his fourth year starting. Uh, he started for us as a freshman. He's a six foot, 220 pound, good running back. I've got to find ways to have him be able to be successful to run the football. Um, I have ways to throw the ball to him, but I need to figure out how we can be more successful. We've been an inside zone team. I don't like inside zone. Um, I'm trying to research different ways of, of running the football, whether it's some sort of veer scheme, some sort of midline scheme. Um, I think we have a hard time running inside zone and, and taking on guys that are usually going to be bigger than us. Um, so we've got to be a pin and pull team. Uh, we're researching that. I have my offensive line coach uh, looking at a lot of different uh, things from that standpoint, just running the football. Um, and then I've got to figure out, uh, you know, who, who our quarterback's going to be. And we could be a team next year that plays multiple quarterbacks. And we could be a team next year that plays multiple quarterbacks that may not be quarterbacks, that may be running back receiver type. Of